did something that's great. I'm happy, fuck about that. There was a message of hope inside this like super fuzz bass. It seemed like more than just bands, you know, putting out records, it was like a movement. You know, we all just sort of fell in love with making music together and making tapes for each other. Everybody you ran into was passionately building, sculpting, recording. We got an organ with one note that works and a banjo with two strings. What else do you need? We were like, come freaks, one and all. Yeah. They're weirdos, and I love them. This bunch of transient oddballs. It was really just chaos. Everybody appeared on everybody's record. It's like, oh, we need viola, we need a trumpet. Ooh. It's kind of like loading a cannon, and when you fire the cannonball, it's out of your control. We'd call in sick to work, take a bunch of downers, and play our spacey music. <laughs> I remember it feeling very mysterious to me. It wasn't easy to hunt down information about who these people were. The idea that what we were doing would find an audience was pretty improbable. There was a school of thought that ran the 90s, and they ended it. Your curiosity will certainly be satisfied. And there you have the trailer for the Elephant Six Recording Company. And today we have director Chad C.B. Stockfleth. Thank you for joining us, Chad. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. We're, well, I'm doing great. I uh, had the pleasure and the honor of, of watching this movie recently and uh, just thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was such a great, um, you know, just reveal to this very, very cool artist community, basically might be the best way to put it. Um, and put together in such a great way by yourself and your team. Thank you. Yeah, uh, we're very excited for it to be coming out into the world in a, in a broader way. You know, um, it's a project that we worked on for a long time. I'm sure. And, and yeah, had hopes to have come out a few years ago, and then, um, like so many things, uh, the pandemic put it yep. on hold, and now mm-hmm. finally it's making its way out into the world. And so we're so glad people have a chance to see it. Absolutely. Um, so in the very beginning, and I think this was a very cool thing, is they you had someone is asking a lot of the the people who are part of this, what is Elephant Six? Mm-hmm. And so I ask you. That's me naively asking, what is Elephant Six? <laughs> right. So now I ask you, having created the movie, what is Elephant Six? Oh God. Um, <laughs> Which this is not unlike most of their <laughs> responses to. I know, right? I, mean, maybe, I think this is great. Maybe I never learned. It's. Uh... <laughs> You know, it's about togetherness and it's about community and it's about friendship <laughs> and it's about um, self-expression, yep. like un- unbridled self-expression. Totally. Th- through friendship. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And the name came from a, a Max Ernst painting uh, who was a big that's, fan of that's that. at least one story that's presented in the film I've heard others as well <laughs> well there you go well we'll go with that one for now but uh, good to know that it may not be the definitive one yeah um, you know with, when you're playing in the realm of mythology there there can be many answers to it that's very true <laughs> that's very true chose one and, and go forward with it yeah and, and I think that's the cool part is that this what is elephant six 
the very easy answer would be, well, it's a it's a recording studio or recording, and the fact that it isn't as easy as that is what makes this movie and this story so compelling. So I I actually love the fact that that's how you kind of do some of the the intro to this early on in the fl- in the film, and then you didn't know even know how to answer it even after having spent all those years, <laughs> kind of uh, you know bathing in it. But um, yeah, you know I'm, that wasn't um, that wasn't necessarily like a device. That was me naively starting the film in the beginning sure. and trying to learn, yeah. which I, I think perhaps like as a, as a filmmaker, because I wasn't the first person that came along that tried to make an elephant six uh, documentary. Um, but, I, but maybe my, my sincere naivety was actually like, <laughs> gave me entrance to their world. Sure. Like, well, who's this silly guy? How, <laughs> How, how much damage could he do? Right, exactly. You know? No, that's that's terrific. So I guess I I wanted to for the the sake of um you know the the people who are tuning in here to get a little bit more a sense of the movie. Um, primarily, it's built around, and I'm not going to do it justice because I didn't write down more than five of them. But a lot of bands that came together in in uh, it looks like it kind of started somewhat. The birth of it was in Ruston, Louisiana, and then a branch of them went to. Uh, Athens, Georgia, and a branch went to Denver, Colorado. Is that kind of set things up there? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, they started out as classmates in grade school and, and then later in high school as well. And in Ruston, Louisiana, which is in sort of north central Louisiana, mm-hmm. um, not very far from Arkansas, there was a small university and so there was not a lot going on there, but there, there was a little bit of culture. And they were able to find each other and start to start to explore art together. I guess yeah. is how I would put it. You know, certainly the way yeah. that a lot of people do when they're young. They, yes, they, that's true. They they get interested in things and they start to explore them. Um, but it's so important to have other people that are like minded that want to go down those rabbit holes with you. Oh, and, totally um, <laughs> push your exploration deeper. And so, you know, Robert Schneider and Jeff Mangum and. Will Hart and Bill Doss all became very close friends and all had a, a passion for four-track recording. And that's how it began. They started yeah. cassettes well, and those cassettes, you know, turned in, and, and recording projects with one another and those turned into bands. Yep. Um, and so real quick, those band names, because um, people will, the one probably most well-known would be Neutral Milk Hotel. Sure. Some of the other ones that might be recognizable is the Apples in Stereo, uh, the Olivia Tremor Control. Elf Power of Montreal, and then there was plenty of others. And the other thing that was very cool and very evident in the movie was um, they would play certain instruments and be Olivia Tremor Control, and then they would be the opener for themselves. They would then <laughs> change instruments and become Neutral Milk Hotel, but it was all the same performers playing different instruments. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that goes back to how they started, where they were just four friends um, right. making recording projects. And each person was their own band. Yep. But then if two of them recorded a song on four track, that was its own band. And then yeah, if yeah, two yeah. other of them were in a band, that was a band. So it was always different <laughs> bands, but often yeah. the same people. And that just, you know, that spiral evolved into a scene that included a lot more people over time. Yeah, because it seemed like it started to pull other people into the orbit who they did start to settle into, okay, these four people are this band and these three are this and so on. But like, um, the, it was also supportive. It was this great community of, of, of art and creation that had almost no boundaries and no one was ever 
a ringleader other than out of they had the idea of the moment. Um, maybe Rob Schneider seemed to be a little bit more of the continual ringleader just because he seemed to have such great ideas and such ability to almost pull something excellent out of somebody that they didn't even know was there. Yeah, Robert Schneider is this incredible force of energy and enthusiasm, and he is really amazing at making things happen, making you feel really like excited about starting a project, yep. telling you you're the only person in the world that can complete a project like that. <laughs> and the way that he was sort of cheerleader for his fans, as well yeah. as artistic collaborator, and he's, he's so brilliant as an engineer. Yep. Um, and then also, you know, just as an artistic, aesthetic person, he has so many unique and quirky ideas. Yep. And then when you take all of these these different minds, these Jeff Mangums and Will Hearts that have all these like sort of different crazy ideas and you filter them through sort of like a certain amount of technical proficiency, you come out with all of these great records. Absolutely. I love that one part where someone was talking about how they were just waking up and, and there was Rob in his ear, like right at the first thing in the morning going, let's go make rock and roll history. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, that really is, it's, it's a hilarious moment to me in the film as well. That's Ben Crumb from the Great Lakes. Uh-huh. Whose first record I absolutely adore. It's an amazing record. Um, yeah, I mean, that really is his ethos of things is, you know, what we're doing is important and it will find an audience. And yeah. nothing else, we're making history yes. right now. That's uh, and I, I, you know, he makes you believe it. He's yes, yeah. It's, that was such a great window into who these people were. Like, knowing the music was one thing, but now getting to know the person behind the music. These were such incredible people, like you said, just incredible artists, but so supportive, and it was great. Um, yeah, the fact that they, they all sort of found each other in this small, you know, southern town is really amazing to me. I, I think totally. it's serendipitous that these very creative minds all happen to be from this, you know, small rural town and yeah. find each other and become best friends. Absolutely. And kind of... Another thing that was amazing was it also becomes very evident that they were so creative and so inspired to make music, but yet not trained for it. And I mean that with respect, like they, if you saw it in the, in the trailer there and it happens a bunch of times, they speak in sound, like they don't know how to write the music out or to explain it to somebody through music theory or, or whatever. They just kind of would be like, okay, go ba 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 and be like, no, how about that? And then. And they all just knew it. And then you bring in the sound of the actual song that that was being written. Mm -hmm. And it sounds exactly like what they just talked about. Yeah. And it was this brilliant way of telling the story because if you just listen to them speak it, you might think, okay, that never actually went anywhere. They're crazy. But you, <laughs> by presenting it in such a way with the editing, by showing, no, no, that actually <laughs> sounded exactly like that when they recorded it. And it was just such a cool way to tell the story. I think one thing that unites them is they all have a very intuitive way of approaching how they want to make their music. So they would shirk these, like, again, these these uh, tropes or these rules around things because they knew they didn't necessarily have to apply. And if, if it meant restricting their creative, you know, kind of forces, then they were just going to break through those barriers. And I just Yeah, it's it funny to think that there are rules about what you do when you go into a studio, right? Like, you're not allowed <laughs> to play a basketball. Like right. Like, instrument but why i mean it's very much like a round drum correct in, a, in essence so yep um why would you put limits on yourself when you go in to make something you know shouldn't absolutely um but you mentioned the four tracks before and for one thing i wanted to mention was 
there's nothing that comes up in my interviews with musicians as to what set them off to go from like some kid in their bedroom to actually wanting to make music other than a gift of a four track Mm -hmm. that has come up time and again as to what converted them. And so it wasn't a shock to me that these, these, you know, creatives were so in love with that because it just seems to really spark someone's ability to feel like a magician almost like I can create in a way that I never could before. And so there was just this total love for it. And I thought the other thing that was interesting was as they started to, they said, now that we have all this access to other fancier equipment, all we keep getting is wanting to go back to that noise. (laughs) So so they reverse engineer these fancy pieces to go back to what the sound of a four track was. Yeah. I think, you know, because I I also, you know, was a a teen in the nineties pre-recording on computers being a very viable thing. And I, I was four tracking, but in my ambition, it was, I can't wait to get better equipment to make something that sounds better than this. You know, I saw it as a, a stopgap right. to uh, a future recording setup that would be so much better. But they saw it for what it was as a singular viable way to make a piece of art, which I think something Larry Crane maybe reiterates Larry Crane from tape hop mm-hmm. in the movie that, you know, I think that's a very important lesson actually. And it's a lesson that I've taken away as well is to look at what you have, not as a limitation, but as a means to make a complete work of art. Sure. Not a demo necessarily. I think people thought of it as the demo machine. Yeah. Like if and you, they did not. Yeah. But those tracks, they have their own special energy and their own special you know, sound. And that's where they found a lot of pleasure in that. And like you said, you know, as they had the ability to use nicer stuff, oftentimes they still returned to that aesthetic because that's what spoke to them and seemed sure. true to them. Yeah. And they kept talking about things like wanting tape hiss and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that gets picked up because it's not as sophisticated, but they felt like it was an element to the creation that was vital. Right. Most people would like, want to remove that yeah right we get rid of that and they embraced that it was there <laughs> right. you know which is sort of a lesson for for life i think you know yep. so often in our lives we look at the things that we wish were different yeah um instead of embracing the way that they are in the moment yeah. you know and not to to maybe be too heady about it but like i find this film actually very philosophical like their yeah their philosophies on making music and making art and the way they live their lives has rubbed off on me over time. That's uh, excellent. Real, um, it was an education for myself as well. Well, I would say, having watched it only a few days ago, I didn't want it to be over, first of all. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I wanted to go create. Like, after it was over, I was like, what can I go do to make something? Like, I just wanted to create something, whether it didn't have to be music, just anything. It was very kind of like inspiring to be around so many creatives, even just through the medium of the movie. Yeah, totally. And I mean, and that's like the best compliment that we can get for it. That's a, was our hope and intention is that, you know, and, and when you meet these guys in real life, you definitely feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know? Robert and Will and those guys, they're just constantly making stuff. And it's just like, you hang out with them for an hour and you're like, well, I want to go do more. It's infectious. It absolutely is infectious yeah. for sure. Um, and then so just quickly sharing, and this is hopefully just to make people to want to 
go check out the movie either to come to the film festival um, in Bethlehem or wherever else it might be showing. We'll have links in the show notes to, to find out where, it, where the, the different uh, expeditions are. Or eventually it'll be available, I'm sure. But like they, they set up a recording studio in a condemned building. Um, they're, they're building things, you know, like you had talked about Rob being an engineer. Um, he's getting parts and pieces of things, but then he's so brilliant, he's able to put it all together and make it work. And then there was this awesome quote. I love this one. So Jason Heller, who was a journalist, right? Yes. This, this one made me laugh. I went, I rewound the movie and listened to it a second time. Um, it said, this was when he went to go see one of the, the first time they went to go see, uh, I think it was Apples in Stereo. Um, and he, this is just a direct quote from him. It may be the sloppiest band I had ever seen. Their equipment was shit. It didn't seem like they were all playing the same song, but it was awesome. Like it was just the kind of thing where he was just like, all of this stuff would tell me that I shouldn't enjoy this, but yet I am. Yeah. And you know, I think it's important to them that it have a, a vibe or a mood, you know, like technical proficiency is not the only <laughs> requirement to join a band with them, no. you know? It's a lot of like your personality and can you translate your personality into the music? And another compliment I wanted to give you is on the use of that music. Like I talked about before um, with where they would speak to each other in noise and then it would translate to a song. These moments too, like where uh, again, it was in the trailer and you were just talking about it. They had an organ that had one note that worked and a banjo with two strings. And what more do you need? Sure. Which was followed by the exact song that used that component um, and yeah, then that's an early Jeff Mangum neutral milk hotel yeah. song from a, a tape cassette record he put out. Called and it. I just thought what you kept doing was like proving the point that these people weren't out of their minds. Like, you know, cause you would think <laughs> on these statements alone, they just wouldn't work. And then all of a sudden you're like time after time, you're proving that no, no, not only are they t- inspired by this, but here's the song and it's incredibly awesome to listen to. So there was that. And then the other one, the one scene that I thought was brilliant was um, talking about the four tracks and how they used to like the one person had their four track and someone else had the other. So they could actually almost layer and do things together. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how stressful it was. And so like when he would go up and then back, you were having the music go up and back to match mm-hmm. what his pantomiming was doing. Sure. And I just thought, again, that was just like, it was so helpful in the storytelling um, that again, I just, I wanted to mention those things because I thoroughly enjoyed those moments. Yeah. I'm really pleased um, to have been able to work on this film with the editor, Greg King, who mm. is um, uh, just a brilliant editor. He also, you know, when I was looking for someone, because I began the film and was just sort of like collecting footage and interviews for a few years and then I needed to start to put it together. And I thought, well, maybe I'll edit it in the beginning. And as I started, I realized, oh, this is much too big for me. And I'm much too inexperienced at trying to sure. tackle a project of this size. And so I was looking for someone and he was recommended to me and he understood the movie right away. Like in talking to it, he was just like, oh, yeah, my friends all started bands too. <laughs> a scene happened around me. Like mm-hmm. I, I totally get this. And, um, you know, Greg's just really brilliant at finding these connections and, and, and illustrating some of these things that you're talking about where, you know, the idea of punching in a track and then pulling sure. it out, mm-hmm. doing that in the edit to really sell sure. the, the feeling of what that's like. You know, I don't know how many people have tried to do that yeah. on a tape cassette recorder, but uh, <laughs> you'll at least feel a little bit like you understand what he, what he means. No, you're absolutely right. Um, 
And so I guess the story starts to really come together where, and, and you've mentioned him before, so Jeff Mangum is kind of that, the front man, I guess, for Neutral Milk Hotel. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for a place to record his first, like, album. And that was where he sought out Rob Schneider's, you know, Elephant Six recording studio and was the only place that was not as polished. He didn't want it to have that other sound. And so he basically kind of moves in with them to do the recordings. Yeah. And that was really what I think, uh, that's kind of like, you know, the the point in the story where it all really just comes together and they start to really make a name for themselves from there. Yeah. I mean, that's where Robert was really brilliant. You know, he was able to get the abandoned condemned building, you might call it, um, mm-hmm. he named right. Pet Sound Studio because he's a, a gigantic Beach Boys fan. Mm-hmm. And one thing that he was very clever about when he started to first maybe get like a record deal to make a record, mm-hmm. rather than go to a studio and make the record, he took the money that they front when you make a record and he bought, you know, a studio four track or an eight track sure. and a mixing mm-hmm. board. And he started collecting the equipment to build his own studio. Right. which was, you know, still very rudimentary by most standards of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where he set up shop and started to engineer and produce these records. And so that's where Jeff felt comfortable going to try to make On Avery Island. And, you know, they discuss it in the film, but I, I think you really hear their friendship on that record. You know, Absolutely. That's very much a record made by Jeff and Robert together as mm-hmm. a team. Uh, and a real testament to their kind of the genius of both of them, you know, meshed together. Yes, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, it, and it does a beautiful job of telling that story. And then, uh, I wanted to share this other quote where they were sharing how they were so in sync that even when they were sleeping, they were talking to each other. And so <laughs> Robert says, uh, what is life but shouting at each other in our sleeps through the wall? <laughs> yeah, like, that's a really great line. It's so great. <laughs> He's it's got so a lot great. of great lines in the movie. I got yeah. to give it to him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, from there, it goes on to just continually tell, um, you know, the, this, again, very supportive, beautiful story of all these different artists and the different music that they created. And, and again, back to um, the, the, the sound quality. I mean, uh, I did watch it um, just in my living room the first time through. And then as I was like more prepping for this, I had the headphones on and it brought a whole other experience because it is very, very well engineered from that regard. So thank you. And I would recommend, you know, people that get introduced to these bands that are elephant six bands and listen to their records to listen to them with headphones on. It's a, it's a different experience and they're very keenly aware of making it dynamic as a stereo experience. And so I think you can, you can, hear a lot of things that you might not otherwise hear in the headphones. And we wanted to honor that with the film too, you know, making the film feel of a kin to Elephant Six, you know, mm-hmm. both it's, um, in the way that it's pieced together, with some rough edges and some, you know, uh, sloppiness and sure. a, a lack of maybe slickness in certain ways, which you'll hear them championing yes. throughout the film in their, in their own music. Yes. Um, you know, it was important to us that the film feel like it came from this scene. And uh, I, I think... Yes, and you, you nailed it for sure. Yeah. yeah. We're very excited. Some of the Elephant Six bands are going to be touring this summer as well. Elf Power will nice. be touring around the United States. And the Music Tapes, which is Julian Coster from Neutral Milk Hotel, who plays uh-huh. the Stall. Yeah. Um, 
banjo and other awesome instruments. Uh, the music tapes will be touring around the United States and, and maybe some other countries as well. So I would That's encourage people to go experience it in person. That is absolutely very cool. I'm, I'm hoping that they get a whole like, you know, kind of revival from this movie, because uh, for me, it introduced, and if nothing else, it introduced me to a few of the bands that I had not really ever looked into, not realizing how connected they were to some of these other ones that I was into. So it's opened up yeah. a whole, you know, a catalog of music that I'm now checking out that I hadn't before. And, uh, and yeah, so I just recommend people to, to check out the movie um, and to, like you said, check out the, the music. Um, it is just such a feel good movie. Um, there's no uh, ill will in there. Like everybody, again, like we keep saying, it's a supportive community that created great music. Um, and it's just such yeah. a joy to, to kind of, be able to just witness it through the movie. And so thank you for, for that experience and best of luck for all the showings and screenings. I hope it, uh, uh, you know, collects a lot of awards and, and gets that wider release that you're talking about. Thank you. It was important for us that, um, to, to increase the positivity in the world. Sure. <laughs> At least <It's laughs> one. I so, always um, nice to see that happening. So. Yeah. I'm glad it can be through the medium of elephant six. Absolutely. Well, Chad, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Appreciate it.